when I last left you, we were getting ready to finish up the regular season in the NHL. The Jackets were on the outside looking in to get in. And boy, howdy, did they get into the playoffs. And they have made a statement. They made a truly big statement. And now play an original six opponent that could be deadly for us Jacket fans. The Monsters in Cleveland and the whole Jacket organization does something for the first time in hockey history. We'll talk about that. And speaking of history, Toledo hockey history continues on. As the walleye now battle a familiar foe to this show and this network. We'll talk about that. The Tigers' woes continue in, in Beantown while the Indians struggle against Miami. And the Mudhens, well, they get the job done on the road. And the NFL draft is going on, but we don't care that much about the NFL draft. We are here to talk about sports. If the NFL draft is what you guys want to talk about, we'll talk about that today. And so much more. I've been off for three weeks. Yes, blame me. I know, it's my fault. I didn't want to jinx the team. I wanted to see how this jacket team would perform. But I guess it's time for Ollie and the Alfred. Guess who's back? All in the Alfred. 24 runs in the span. We're going to get shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run. Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for All in the Alfred. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about.
edition of Andy Alfred right here on your home for me, the Anchor Network, and that is either on Apple Music and the iTunes Network, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcasts Now, on Spotify as well, however you listen, wherever you listen, and whenever you listen, thank you so much for tuning into the program today, and you, yes, you, can always be a part of our show, it is at all Andy Alfred. It is at all Andy Alfred. So welcome in. Got a lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're doing this show here on this Friday, Friday edition of All Andy Alfred. We're getting you set for the weekend that is ahead, as well as recapping before recapping the week that it was before. Of course, we're going to talk about the. The ECHL playoffs with the Walleye. Big game last night as well. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL draft as well too. Dive a little bit into the NBA playoffs, but we'll mostly dive into Major League Baseball and the NHL playoffs. But like I said, you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. So welcome in and let's get right into it. Let's hit the ice and let's start talking about a team out of the Ohio area that is still in the NHL playoffs. And let's talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. So when I last left you, uh, we were three weeks we were a week away from the start of the NHL playoffs, and the Columbus Blue Jackets were playing their way to get into the into the playoffs. We were a week away from the start of the playoffs. Uh, the Jackets did clinch that Friday night against the New York Rangers, getting a, a shootout win in overtime by a final score of 2-1. to one. They played Ottawa the next night, and the Jackets had the chance to get into the first wildcard position with a Carolina loss to Philadelphia and a win against Ottawa. They get the win against Ottawa, but Carolina wins Get the first wild card position. The Jackets the second wild card position, and they have to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now I will admit this to you folks right here. When I got my bracket pulled out, I looked at it, and when I heard we were playing Tampa the first round, I said, "There's no chance." I say, I said Tampa. I see Columbus could win two games. They could probably win one in Tampa and one at home, the first game back, game three. And I said it was Tampa and six. I said it to my parents. I said it to a lot of friends. I never really believed the hype that this team had because, let's be honest here, folks. Let's be honest. This team has been inconsistent in their play when it comes to the season. They'll go on a, a losing streak. They'll get on a hot streak, a losing streak. There hasn't been a, a constant string of straight straight wins, and then you lose two, and then you get back on the winning page. There hasn't been anything like that. But this team, this year, surprised me with what they did against Tampa Bay. Game one, to me, was a tale of two games. And it was 
by how the periods broke down. Game one on on the 10th of April, when I last talked to you, when I last talked to you was that Wednesday, April the 3rd, after the Boston loss. And I told you that the Jackets needed to win out to get in, and they got in. Okay? So game one in Tampa is a tale of two games. And it really was the first half of the game was all Tampa Bay. Going up 3-0 in the first period. And just Bobrovsky not being Bobrovsky. And the team just... And I looked at that game and I said, oh no, here we go. This is what the demise of this team will be. But somehow, some way, they overcome a three-goal deficit. And they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. 4-3. Four to three. Now I was with my girl, my girlfriend at the time. We were sitting here in the studios watching the game. I thought about doing a podcast after the game. I really did. I had everything all queued up. She was going to be on the show, but something told me not to do a podcast when this series is going on. Because when I did a show, and this is me, when I was doing the show. They would start a losing streak. They would start a losing streak. And I said to myself, oh, I don't want to do it. Let's 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 hold off. Let's hold off a week. Let's see. If they get eliminated, then we'll do a show. Then we'll do a show. So Friday, game two happens. I'm sitting at home with my father. We're watching the game. Utter domination by the Jackets. From start to finish, controlled the pace of the game, made them... Step basically stepped on their throat and wins five to one against Tampa Bay. Now I, I said to myself, "All right, here we go again. This is Washington all over again. We're up two games to nothing. We're coming home to Nationwide. We're up two zero. Something, you know, something doesn't feel right to me. Something doesn't feel right today." You know, and, and I got to give you credit. I got to give credit to John Tortorella and his and the coaching staff, and also the scouting staff with this kid Texier. Absolutely a great player. Absolutely a great player. Game three on Sunday, the week before Easter on Palm Sunday, Nationwide Arena sold out. Beautiful to see that building. Roaring and alive. Great to see. And I said to myself, you know, this team has to win this game. They have to win this game. They don't win this game, then they're pretty much telling us as an organization that, you know, we're not going to do it. But coming out in the second period, you know, Nothing happening in the first. And Matt Duchesne getting on the high horse, his second goal of the playoffs. He had a goal in game two, his first ever playoff goal. His second of the playoffs. And then Bjorkstrand. Bjorky getting the shot from the point, a tip shot that goes past, gets tipped from Seth Jones at the point. Bjorkstrand tips it, goes into the net. It's 2-0 Columbus. 
I said, okay, something's going to happen. Third period, you know, Tampa Bay is just going to run the horse, and they're just going to pound. I mean, even though they didn't have Victor Hedman and Kuznetsov in the game, I felt like Stamkos or Braden Point's going to step up to the plate and do anything. Palat got the goal four minutes into the third, but the Jackets... With Cam Atkinson getting the empty netter, and the Jackets won three to one in Game Three, and they're up three nothing on Tampa Bay in the series. And I'm saying to myself, okay, because this is look, listen to me. I have been a fan of this team for 19 years. Okay, I have been with this organization and the fanship for 19 years. Okay, I have seen the worst. In this team. I have seen the worst in this team. And something told me. That we're going to be the team. That's going to be like the 2013. LA Kings. Coming back. Tampa Bay is going to be coming back as a 3-0 team. And rally to beat us. In four straight. Because of the inconsistent play that this team has. And that's what scared me. I really didn't, it didn't really hit me until we get to game four. And I'm sitting there at home watching this game from start to finish. And it scared me. It really did. Because I had that feeling in the back of my mind. You know? I mean, even though we went up 2 nothing, and it was all the young kids, Texier, like I said, getting his first NHL playoff goal. Fantastic to see. And and P.L. Luke Dubois getting his first 2 nothing jackets before Steven Stankos finally got on the board. And I said to myself, oh, God, Stankos is warm now. Here we go. Brain points got to be right behind him. It's 2-1 after 20 minutes of play. Seth Jones gets a puck, buries it. 3-1 CBJ. And then this is when it happened for me. I knew this game was going to be lost when Tampa scored two straight goals from Paquette and Braden Point. I said, Stanko's Point are the, are, the, are the two guys you have to watch out for in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. I've said to many people. And they tie the game with three minutes with two with excuse me with under three minutes to play in the second period. And I said, Oh, they got the momentum. They're going into the locker room. It's gonna be bad. But then Bjorkstrand making a four three game At the 1864 mark of the second period, and it's 4 3 jackets. And then I'm sitting in the in my chair in the third period. Sitting in my chair. Holding on. I'm like, hold on. Hold on. And then Artemi Panarin. The bread. Man delivers. 
The third period was utter domination by Tampa Bay. They were trying to get the puck in the back of that. They were playing desperate. And then three consecutive empty net goals by the Jackets. And then all of a sudden, it hit me with two minutes to go in the third period. With two minutes to go in the third period, when they scored, this was my reaction. Get ready for this. My reaction was absolutely amazing. 19 years of frustration. 19 years of buildup finally led to that, of me screaming like I was a banshee. And the Jackets got the job done. Sweeping the best team in the NHL in four straight games. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. You don't understand if... I know I'm in the market with the Red Wings. And the Red Wings have been a dominant market. You don't understand how big and powerful it was to sweep... Not only the best team in the league, but everybody. Every single doubter. Every single hater. Including yours truly. Picked against the Jackets. And I picked the jet, and I picked against the jackets, and again I eat crow over the whole situation. I eat crow over the whole situation, and so the jackets get the job done. Win against Tampa Bay, and move on for the first time in franchise. You don't understand. This franchise has been around for 19 years. We have never won a playoff series. And we get the job done. We get the job done against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The best team in the league. We shut them down. And we get the job done. And the Jackets. Win game four by a score of seven to three. And the Jackets move on to the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was absolutely believe unbelievable. It was truly, truly amazing to see this happen. This organization deserves this. Going in all in to get Duchesne and get Dezingle and not signing Panarin and Bob right now. You know, if it, it works out in the long run, it's great. It's absolutely great. Now, the question was, who was Columbus going to play next? Well, Columbus had to wait to see who was battling between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins. This series between Toronto and Boston goes the full length. Seven games. Boston on Tuesday night got the job done with a 4-1 win, beating the Maple Leafs. And so we get to last night. Game two, game one of the Atlantic Division 
championship or the Eastern Conference quarter Eastern Conference semifinals between the Boston Bruins and the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Jackets after having almost a full week off a full week off they beat Tampa on the 14th having a full week off I figured the Jackets would be you know a little rusty in the beginning and they were they were a little rusty in the beginning and Boston being Boston as always being strong, being powerful. Patrice Bergeron, of course, there's Zdeno Chara. You had Brad Marchant. All these guys, the Jackets have to worry about. Absolutely worry about. And it started off, you know, Bob being Bob. Standing on his head. Kari getting his first of the, of the playoffs from McAvoy. It's one nothing Boston on a shorthanded goal. And here is the thing again. The Jackets shot themselves on that. A bad pass back on the power play killed the momentum. It really did. It really killed the momentum. We didn't get any more scoring until the third period. When Brandon Dubitsky... Gets his first of the playoffs from in the first of this series, and Riley Nash and Seth Jones gets his third assist. It's one-one, and not even 19 seconds later, P.D. Dubois buries his second of the playoffs. It's two-one. CBJ at TD Garden, and the Fleet Center is quiet as a mouse. Panarin takes the shot from the point. It gets deflected off of Dubois' leg. It counts as a goal. It's 2-1 Jackets. And then Charlie Coyle. With four minutes and change to go in the third period, Ties the game at two apiece. So we go to overtime. Now, bear in mind, this game has been was a pretty much clean game all evening long until we get to the overtime. And I have this to say. Brad Marchand should be and should have gotten a penalty on the call for stepping on Cam Atkinson's stick. That's interfering with the play. Sure, it's at the face-off dot, but you step on the guy's stick after the puck was waved off for, a fi- for the face-off. He steps on the stick. That's a penalty. That's interference. That should be two minutes straight. Two minutes straight! But no, the referees do not call it. And five minutes and 15 seconds into overtime, Charlie Coyle buries it past Sergei Bobrovsky. And the Jackets lose their first game of the playoffs 
by a score of 3-2. to two. And it was a tip-in shot, too. Johansson had the shot. Coyle tips it in, beats Bobrovsky. It was 3-2 was the final. Boston out shooting the Jackets in the game, 37-22. to They led in the faceoff dot, 52% to 48%. Both teams 0 for on the power play. Columbus 0 for 4, Boston 0 for 4. The Jackets out hitting the Bruins 40-31 to in the game. For Bobrovsky, he stopped 34-37. His save percentage, a point nine one nine. Tuka Rass stopping a total of 20 of 22. His save percentage, a point nine oh nine. The three stars of the game, of course, Marcus Johansson getting the number three star for Boston. Tuka Rass, the number two star. Charlie Coyle, the number one overall star. You know, and penalties, like I said, again, four penalties in the game. Jenner got called for holding in the third period. Orinsky with the interference. Bergeron with the hook on David Savard. Krejci with the trip on Felino. You know, penalties, you know, they have, you know. John Morinsic and Francois Charon have to call these games right. They have to. Absolutely have to. Especially in the overtime period. That was clearly a penalty call. That should have been a penalty call right there. Clearly should have. And they blatantly missed it. Blatantly missed it. So the Jackets lose game one. And are 4-1 in the playoffs. Four wins in the playoffs right now. Means you're a quarter of the way through the play through the playoffs. It takes 16 wins to win the Stanley Cup. It used to be eight. That's why the octopus was famous in Detroit. But it takes 16 wins. Game two will be Saturday night, 8 o'clock. And this is where I kind of am a, a little afraid of. This game is on national television. On the NBC network. The big network. 8 o'clock at TD Garden. Under the bright lights. The Jackets aren't great on national television. They have never been good on national television. And that's what I worry about the most. You know. I like the coverage on on Fox Sports Ohio. With Bill Davidge and Brian Giesensloff. As well as with Jeff Rimmer and Jody Shelley. I love doing that. I love listening to Bob McKelligan and the play-by-play with him. I like Ryan Mitchell uh, doing the intermission reports and everything like that. You know, keep it with those guys. If you have that network and you have those t- those guys, they should be on until you get to the you know the conference final and then the Stanley Cup final. You couldn't get, you can't get them now because the national network has got all the coverage, and I got to listen to. Freaking Mike Milbury, who is a joke of a color analyst and a joke of a hockey player. He was a joke back then. He's a joke now. Mr. I don't like fighting in the NHL. They should get rid of it. NBC should drop him like they dropped, they dropped so many of their programs. They should drop him like they dropped Conan O'Brien. 
Because he is a joke. He is a damn joke of a color analyst. He was a ter- he was a terrible player and a terrible. Oh, I don't like fighting in the NHL. It should not be in the fighting in the NHL. Blah 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 blah. I hate him. I and I don't use the word hate as much. I hate Mike Milbury. He is the worst color analyst out there. I love Doc Emmerich. I love Pierre McGuire. I love I love. I love uh, Brian Boucher. I I like Eddie Olchek. I like Saad. I like Jeremy Roenick. I like them all. Mike Milbury is a joke of a broadcaster. NBC should jump him like they jumped Conan O'Brien. He was a terrible GM when he was with the Islanders. Ran that organization into the ground. That's why I watch this series on CBC. Because I get Ron McClain. I get Nick Kiprios. I get Elliot Freeman. I get Jim Houston. I get Don Cherry. If you have CBC and Sportsnet, watch it there. Do not give NBC any money. Because CBC has a better coverage because it's Canada's game. And they... Go in depth with it. Mike Milbury is a joke. Get rid of him. Him and Mickey Redmond gotta go. Let the young guys like me and Everett Fitzhugh and Matt Melzack and all the young guys that are building their platforms come up in the league. Mike Milbury, it's an absolute joke. Get rid of him like, like nothing. Get rid of him. He's a piece of dirt. So game two, Saturday night, 8 o'clock on CBC and NBC. If you have Buckeye, watch it on CBC. If you don't have Buckeye and you have to watch it on that on that crappy network, God help you. Either that, turn it, turn, you know what? Here's an idea. Turn the TV all the way down to the volume. Put on the CBJ app and listen to Bob McCulloch and do the play-by-play. That's a lot better. Absolutely a lot better than listening to the joke that is Mike Milbury. It's a joke. What's not a joke is that you're listening to all of the offer today right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me. Thank you for tuning in. Other series to watch as well, too. Last night, last night the other game was St. Louis. Battling Dallas. And Dallas is a very good team. Don't get me wrong. Dallas is a good team. NBC was all over them too. But St. Louis. Remember. St. Louis in January was the worst team. In the NA. In in the Western Conference. And now. They got the win last night. 3-2 over the Dallas Stars. That's something to say. Now, there's eight teams left in the NHL playoffs. The Jackets being one of them. 
Dallas and St. Louis last night. Dallas was a loser, three to two. The St. Louis Blues. Tarasenko having a good game for the Blues, getting two goals in the game. Good performance by him. And St. Louis is very, very good. Uh, uh, I said it. I said it last round when they played Winnipeg and they knocked Winnipeg out. And they were Winnipeg was my pick to win it. Tarasenko with two goals in the game. A 3-2 win tonight on the docket. Here is the docket. We have two games tonight in the NHL. A West Coast game and an East Coast game. Tonight on the docket is the New York Islanders after defeating the Pittsburgh Penguins in a four-game sweep. We'll play the Carolina Hurricanes, who in seven games, in double overtime, defeat the defending champion, Washington Capitals. So we've got new teams and new blood in the water for this playoff run. Game one tonight on the island at 7 o'clock. The late game in the tank sees the San Jose Sharks in seven games defeated the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So there will be a new Western Conference champion. We'll battle the surprising Colorado Avalanche. Now I talked to old man Ziggy himself Lucas Sigerson, and he was just surprised. And here's the funny thing. Dallas, a wildcard team. Colorado, a wildcard team. Carolina, a wildcard team. Columbus, a wildcard team. All four wildcard teams make it to the next round of the playoffs. Absolutely unbelievable. So game one tonight, 10 o'clock, NBCSN, Colorado is in San Jose. The docket Saturday, like I said, 3 o'clock Eastern in St. Louis. St. Louis and the Dallas Stars. And then the nightcap sees the Jackets taking on the Bruins at 8 o'clock. On Sunday, it will be the 3 o'clock game on NBC on the aisle. The Islanders and the Hurricanes. At 7.30 on NBCSN, the Sharks and the Avalanches. You're listening to All Andy for today right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's continue to hit the ice and let's talk about some minor league hockey. So for the first time in all of professional hockey, we saw something... Absolutely amazing. The Jackets battled the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. Swept them in four games. The Cleveland Monsters are the AHL affiliate of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, they battled. They made it into the playoffs as Binghamton lost to Rochester. The Rochester Americans on the last day of the regular season. And all Cleveland had to do was beat the Toronto Marlies. And they did 5-1. to one. So here's the situation. The Cleveland Monsters, or I call them still the Lake Erie Monsters. Excuse me. And I'll get to that in my Andy Rance here in just a second. Here's the thing. The Cleveland Monsters battled the Syracuse Crunch. Syracuse was the former affiliation of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And 
they lost. They moved the French the affiliation to Springfield, Massachusetts. Springfield now out of the league, of course, the AHL. So they moved the new the affiliation back to Cleveland for the season. Syracuse affiliation is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, how they figure that routing, I don't know. But here is the situation. So you had the AAA affiliates and the big affiliates battling each other out for the playoff spot. Sure, it was uh, very interesting to see how both teams were going to perform. Game one, the Monsters come out swinging and take game one by a score of three to nothing. Go up one game to nothing. Game two, Syracuse rallied, of course, but the Monsters get the job done and win 3-1. to one. So we get to game three, which is in Cleveland. And I, again, we went to Cleveland of about two weeks ago, and we saw the Monsters play the Rochester Americans. They're, they're redoing Quicken Loans Arena, which is now called Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Get to that in here in just a second about that, that about that piece of news. But they lose game three to Syracuse. And now last night was game four. And Syracuse just laid an egg in the game. And the Cleveland Monsters move on to the next round of the playoffs, beating the Syracuse Crunch by a score of four to one. And for the first time in hockey, professional hockey history, the A, the NHL and the AHL affiliates beat each other. The Jackets affiliate, Cleveland, beats the Syracuse Crunch, which is the affiliate of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Both teams get knocked out within the same organization. I don't know if you got what I'm saying. It's like Columbus... Affiliate beat Tampa Bay's affiliate. And the Columbus team beat Tampa Bay. So for the first time in NHL and AHL history, both teams played each other in a regular in the playoffs. And they both beat and they both beat each other. The Jackets affiliate beat the Tampa Bay affiliate. So Toronto the next opponent for the the Monsters are the Toronto Marlies. Uh, have not yet gotten the assignment yet for the how the series is going to break down. But we'll see what happens. Round 2 will start up pretty soon. So stick with us on the Twitter account and we'll update you on that. But let's talk a little bit about the premier AA hockey organization. And that is the ECHL. And when we last left you the wall, I had clinch a playoff spot. They are in the playoffs. They would play the Fort Wayne Comets. Fort Wayne is approximately about an hour and a half away from Toledo along US 24. So it was a bitter rivalry between the two clubs. And Toledo versus Fort Wayne has always been a bitter, bitter rivalry between the two teams. And Toledo, a very good team. With Shane Burst back and Caden Fulcher at the uh, between the pipes with Pat Nagel as well, um, 
good teams, good games. I mean, it was an interesting series. A very interesting series, to say the least. And for the series, we'll date back here a little bit. We'll go back to game one of the playoff series. Which started in Toledo. In game one. Back in April, of course. Game one saw the Wally coming out strong in the game. And the Walleye getting the job done with a 3-2 win. Taking game one of the series. And the Walleye getting a a 1-0 win in that one. And they took game two as well. Getting the job done against Fort Wayne. They They go to game three. Back in Fort Wayne. And Fort Wayne... Just dominates them. Dominates them. Beating them in Fort Wayne. Game 4. The Walleye get the job done. And take a 3-1 series lead. Going into game 5. Saturday night at the Huntington Center. Was in attendance for that game. With uh, with Lucas Sigerson. He sat behind the Fort Wayne bench. Fort Wayne absolutely looked great. Last Saturday, Friday was game was game four. Game five was Saturday. The Wally looked flat on their feet, and I thought, "Oh no, here we go." But the Wally get the job done on Tuesday night in Fort Wayne, beating the Comets four to one, taking the series four games to one, and the Wally now battle. The Cincinnati Cyclones, who also battled out against the Kalamazoo Wings in the first round, went the full length six went six games, and the Cyclones getting the job done in six games over the Kalamazoo Wings. Kalamazoo have a good season. Excuse me as I yawn there. I'm not Mike Francesca. I won't fall on the air, fall asleep on the air with you guys, but the Cyclones getting the job done. And so game one was last night in the division final, the central division final between the Toledo Wale and the Cincinnati Cyclones. And I have a, I have a beef to pick with not only the, the league, but also with the Cyclones. I will talk to Everett Fitzhugh later on this week. And hopefully we'll get him on the program to break down a little bit of the series and what's happening with this series. The series this year for the Walleye is a weird situation. It is a 1-3-3 series. Seven games, of course. Game one was last night in Cincinnati. Game two, three, and four are here in Toledo. Game five, six, and seven, if necessary, are back in Cincinnati. So last night, game one of the series, and it's it's a weird series because of that 1-3-3 th- three, three system because new kids on the block 
rented out the U.S. Bank Arena to start their tour, and they were practicing and doing the logistics, everything like that. But I'll I'll get to that in my Andy rants here in just a second. But last night, game one, saw the walleye battle out against the Cincinnati Cyclones, and it was the walleye coming from behind and winning this game by a score of three to two. It started off with AJ Jenks, his first of the of the playoffs from Kevin Tansy and Shane Burschback. It was one nothing. Then the walleyes then strike again. In the second period, 54 seconds into the period, with Dylan Sadaway, his fifth of the season on the power play. It was 2 0 Toledo. And then in the third period, the walleye fell apart quicker than a Walmart sweater going through the dryer, I tell you. Brad Johnson, his third of the season from Justin Vale and Brady Vale and Justin Vive. It was 2 1 Cincinnati. And then Peter Peterson, his third of the season. From Voss Golotov and Justin Vibe, and it was 2-2 with eight at the 18-17 mark with a minute and change to go in the game. Okay? And then it was Granddad, old man himself, the mayor, Shane Bershback, getting the goal with less than a minute to play in third period for his third of the season from Ryan Ojabakowski and Zach Gallant. 3-2 was the final at US Bank Arena. On the banks of the Ohio River, as Toledo gets the job done, they are outshot in the game, thirty-eight to twenty. It was Pat Nagel getting the win, stopping thirty-six of thirty-eight. Michael Hauser the loss, stopping seventeen of twenty. Uh, the Walleye one for two on the power play. Cincinnati zero for three on the power play. Uh, not that many penalties called in the game, um, but here's the here's the kick here's the kicker for this. The time of the game was seven, uh, two hours and 26 minutes. The attendance last night, the paid attendance, this is this is not counting the walk-ups. We can't count the walk-ups. The attendance at U.S. Bank Arena for game one was 1,306 at the game last night. 1,306. Now, you Cyclone fans, I know you. Some of you listen to this podcast, and I talk about. I talk to Everett every time I get a chance to talk to him. Um, it was a kind of a bad showing for this. Now, I had to look it up. I had to look it up to see what the attendance was last night for the Cincinnati Reds game. The Reds were in town. At the same time, they were playing the Atlanta Braves, of course, but the weather was kind of, you know, kind of iffy. So I kind of looked it up. And last night, the Reds did get the win 4-2 to two over the Braves, but the summary was this. The attendance last night at the Cincinnati game was 14,792. There was only 1,000 people, almost, I'll say 1,500 people, in since for the Cyclones game, I know it doesn't matter. I mean, it's two different sports, but when you're in playoff hockey and this team is is running good and they've been they've been filling the attendance up pretty well, but that was a terrible showing. Now you'll see the next three days at the Huntington Center; it's going to be a sellout crowds. You're going to see that building full, and that's going to give the Wally the momentum. 
can that help the jackets out, not jackets out, but the walleye out in the long term? We'll see. We'll absolutely see. But the question is, question is, will Cincinnati retaliate from the, the terrible outing that they had and losing at the last minute in game one? We'll find out. We'll absolutely find out. Game two is Saturday night, 7.30 puck drop at the Huntington Center. Yours truly will be in at attendance, sitting alongside Everett Fitzhugh. The game, and here's the thing. Cincinnati's going to be here for five days. They're going to be here for five days. They're not going to go back down to Cincinnati because they'll play They'll play Saturday night. They will play again Wednesday at the Huntington Center. A day off Thursday. They'll play again Friday for game four. And then the series will transfer back to Cincinnati if necessary for five, game five, six, and seven. So we'll see what happens with that. Other game, Other series to watch out for in the ECHL. To dive into tonight on the docket, uh, in the to look at it for the Western Conference, the other series to watch will be the Idaho Steelheads are in Tulsa to take on the Oilers. That's a seven oh five. That's an excuse me, an eight oh five puck drop. Our time in the Eastern Conference, the rest of the Eastern Conference, the Manchester Monarchs will take on the Newfoundland Growlers, and they the winner of that will battle out between the Orlando Solar Bears and the Florida Everblades. I feel it's going to be between Florida and Manchester, Florida and Newfoundland. For the Kelly for the Eastern Conference representation, I feel like if for me, I can't make the prediction. I I didn't make the prediction in the NHL how I how I think things are going to happen because I don't like making the prediction because we don't know, especially what happened in the first round of the playoffs in the NHL. But in the ECHL, I think I can make make some predictions. I think Newfoundland will take this series in six games. I think Manchester's a very good team, but I don't think they're good enough to beat what Newfoundland is. So I'll say that. Orlando will hold strong with the Everblades, but I think it's the Everblades series to win. I have the Everblades in five for that one. Idaho and Tulsa. You know, Idaho's a very good team this year. They've got a couple good defensemen that I really like. Tulsa's good, too. I would give the Steelheads the favor of that one in six games. And then between Toledo and Cincinnati, you know, it's really a toss-up for me. Um, I think Toledo can get the job done, but I think this might this series might go the full length. It might go a full seven games, but in all reality, I could possibly see the Fish taking it in six, or I could see the Cyclones taking it in six. It's really a toss-up between these two because they're both really good teams out of this division. They're the top two teams, in my opinion, in in, in the Western Conference. Idaho is okay, Tulsa is okay, but the the rest of the division, the rest of the division that is the Western Conference, is a toss-up for me. Cincinnati and Toledo are the top two teams, and the winner of that I think will probably be the representation for the Kelly Cup final in the Western Conference. But we'll see. We'll absolutely see. As you're listening to All Andy Alford today right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now after talking about the ice, let's hit the diamond and talk about the continuing woes that are the Detroit Tigers and the woes of the Cleveland Indians as well. 
So let's hit the diamond and talk some baseball, of course. We are about getting close to that 30-day mark in the in MLB baseball. And we'll start with the Tigers first and foremost. The Tigers having a four-game series against the Boston Red Sox this past week. And, you know, they've been you know constantly con- in contention. All right. The surprising thing is that they, they split the week against the Boston Red Sox. That's the key thing. Monday's game against the Red Sox was postponed. They played the doubleheader on on Tuesday, got the win in game one, seven to four, and then they come back and win game two by a score of four to two. In the seven to four win for the for the Tigers, Josh Boyd gets the win. He goes to two and one with a three point one six ERA. Brewer the loss. He goes to zero and two with an eight point three one ERA. Gardner his second. Rod Ronnie Rodriguez his first of the season. Xander Bogarts homering twice in the game, his third and fourth of the season. Boyd in the game for the Tigers went seven innings, three hits, three runs. All three were earned, two walks, three strikeouts. He gave up one home run to Bogarts in the game for the Red Sox. It was, like I said, Chris Sale starting for them. He went five innings, giving up five hits, two runs. Those runs were earned, two walks. He had a total of ten strikeouts and one home run given up in the game. But Brewer got the loss in the game. He pitched an inning, three hits, three runs. All three were earned, one walk, no strikeouts, and no home runs. Time of the game was 2 hours and 55 minutes, 30,015 in attendance at Fenway Park in Game 1. Game 2 saw the Turnbull getting the win. Jason Turbo, he's now 1-2 and two with a 2.77 ERA. Vasquez gets the loss. He goes to 0-2 with a 3.94 ERA as the Tigers get a 4-2 win over the Boston Red Sox. Shane Green, his 11th save of the season. It was nobody hitting home runs in that game. Turnbull went five innings, three hits, no runs. They were not earned. Four walks, two strikeouts in the game. Buck Farmer had a nice outing. He won an inning, inning pitch, two walks, one strikeout in the game. And like I said, Shane Green... Lights out, closing it out against the Red Sox. The Red Sox struggling as of late. Vasquez, the loss, he goes, he only went three and a third, three hits, three runs. Those all runs were earned, two walks, five strikeouts in the game time. The game was a smooth three hours and 29 minutes, 30,058 in, 30, in attendance for that one on Wednesday the continuing of the series game three of the series saw the Tigers lose bad in the game by a score of 11 to four terrible outing in the game for Ross for the Tigers, excuse me, not Ross and for the Tigers in the game. Yeah, it was Ross. He went five innings, seven hits, four runs. All four runs were earned three walks, five strikeouts as he gave up two in the second, two in the fifth. And then, and then, in the eighth inning, the Red Sox imploding the Tiger bullpen with seven runs in the eighth inning alone. The Tigers rebounded with three runs in the ninth, but it was just not enough as the Tigers lose 11-4. to The Red Sox, it was it was Rodriguez the win. He, goes to, he went six innings, two hits, one walk, one earned run. Excuse me, one, one run. That run was earned, three walks, seven strikeouts of the game. His ERA, a 5.88. 
Overall, 31,763 were in attendance. Three hours and 24 minutes took to play the game. I said Ross, five innings, seven hits, four runs. Those four runs were earned. Three walks, five strikeouts. Verhagen having a bad outing. It was from uh, Hoseman Fernandez. Went two innings, two thirds innings pitched, two runs, five runs. All five were earned. His ERA is a 67.50. He's going back to Columbia, Toledo in a heartbeat. The concluding game of the series yesterday saw the Tigers battle the Boston Red Sox and Jordan Zimmerman getting the loss. He goes to 0-4 with a 5.93 ERA. But the former Tiger pitcher himself, Rick Porcello, great outing for him. He gets the win. He goes to 1-3 with a 7.43 ERA as the Red Sox cruise to a 7-3 win over the Detroit Tigers. Nick Castellanos homered in the game. It's first of the season. Savaris his second of the season for the Boston Red Sox. For Zimmerman in the game, he went three innings pitch, five hits, five runs. All five were earned. Zimmerman three walks, two strikeouts. He gave up the one home run in the game. The game for Rick Porcello, the former Detroit Tigers pitcher. He went and had a solid outing. In the game, he went six innings, six runs, three all three runs were earned, two walks, five strikeouts, and one home run. Time of the game, two hours and 39 minutes, 34,165 in attendance at Fenway Park. So the Tigers now head, continue their road trip. They'll go to the south side of Chicago to take on the Chicago White Sox. Eight o'clock first pitch tonight. It will be Daniel Norris, 1-0 with a 2.70 ERA. He'll take on Rondon, who is 3-2 with a 2.89 ERA. 8-10 start time for that one on Fox Sports Detroit. Uh, Saturday's game sees uh, Lopez on the hill, 1-3 with a 7.46 ERA. The Tigers and Rod Gardner has not yet named a starter for that one. The Sunday game sees Josh Boyd on the hill, 2-1 with a 3.16 ERA. The Indians struggled against the Miami Marlins. Losing game one of the series to the, to the Marlins by a score of 3-1. to one. The Indians having Ramirez on the hill. He gets the loss for the Tribe in the game. As he goes now to 0-1 with a 10.72 ERA. In the series... In the series, the Marlins getting a like I said, three one win. Ramirez gets the loss. He goes to Owen with a ten point seven two ERA. Gotta love technology; it keeps updating on you when you get a chance. He's Owen one. Lopez gets the win. He goes to two and three in the game. He went six innings, one six eight and third, no runs, six strikeouts, two walks in the game. As the Mariner, excuse me, the Marlins put up three runs in the fifth inning. The Indians did not really have a chance. Romo gets to save his third of the season as the Marlins getting a 3-1 win over the Tribe. It was, like I said, Lopez, six and a third, two hits, one walk, two, two runs, two hits, one run. That run was not earned. Two walks, six strikeouts in the game. For the Tribe in the game, it was Cookie Carrasco starting for the Tribe. He went four innings pitched, two hits, no runs, and four strikeouts. His ERA a six ERA. So the Tribe getting the loss three to one on Tuesday. They come back Wednesday and get the job done 
over the Marlins by a score of 6-2. to two. A good, solid performance by the Tribe in this game. A good, pretty good crowd on hand as well, too. As uh, Ramirez's three-run hit, uh, Jose Ramirez, three hits, four RBIs driven in, give the Tribe the big win on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, it was four runs in the eighth inning. They store, started the scoring in the f- one run in the first, one run in the third, four runs in the eighth for the Tribe in the game. Starting the game for them was Rodriguez. Seven innings, three hits, one run. That run was earned, two walks, three strikeouts in the game. But Wigard gets the win. He goes to 1-0 with a 1.13 ERA. He's pitched an inning. Two hits, one run. That run was earned. Two walks and one strikeout in the game. Coley, the loss, he goes to 0-3. He only pitched two-thirds of an inning. Three hits, one strikeout, and one walk. But it was Alcantara starting for the Marlins in the game. He pitched five innings, four hits, two runs. One of those runs was earned. Four walks, two strikeouts. Gave up a home run in the game. Pereira homered in the game for the Marlins. His first of the season. And for the Tribe in the game, it was Ramirez, his second of the year. So the Tribe getting a 6-2 win over the Miami Marlins. Last night, they were in Houston to take on the Astros. And the Indians getting a 2-1 win over the Houston Astros. Great outing for the Tribe in Houston. As Trevor Bauer threw eight strong innings against the Houston Astros. He goes to 3-1 and one with a 1.99 ERA. He pitched eight innings, four hits, one run. That run was earned six walks, three strikeouts in the game. Martin homering for the Tribe of the game, his fourth of the season. And Brad Hand gets the save, his seventh of the season. Garrett Cole, the loss for the Houston Astros. He goes to 1-4. With a 4.71 ERA, he pitched seven innings, two walks, ten strikeouts, three three hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned and three walks in the game. He gave up two home runs of the game. My apologies. The second home run was Bowers, his third of the season. <coughs> Excuse me. So the Tribe, a 2-1 win. Over the Houston Astros. They'll continue the four-game series in Houston tonight at 8-10. Houston will throw out on the bump the one, the only. Cole McGrehu, McGrehu 3-2 with a 4.78 ERA. It will be the ace of the staff. Corey Kluber 2-2 with a 5.88 ERA on the bump for the Tribe. Saturday sees Another big series, 405 start time. That game is on Fox Sports 1, as it will be on the hill for the Tribe in that game on Saturday. Solid performance, and as, as Bieber is on the hill, he's 2-1 and one with a 3.47 ERA. Peacock, 2-1 and one with a 4. Point. Peacock on the hill, of course. He is... Going to start for them. And then the concluding game on Sunday sees Cookie Carrasco on the hill taking on Justin Peacock. Excuse me, Wade Miley on the hill for that. So 
It'll be interesting to see how the the uh, season rolls along for both the Tigers and the Indians. The Mud Hens continuing their road trip. They're in. They were in Charlotte this week, taking two games, splitting the splitting the series against the Knights. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with them. It's good to see they're they're back in action. We were planning on doing the podcast, by the way, down at the ballpark, but all you could hear was it was like <laughs> you could just hear nothing but the wind. So we decided not to do the pot. We decided to scrap the podcast and just go in the game. It was frigid cold, but uh, had a good time for opening day. Froze froze my nubbins off, but. We'll see what happens as you're listening to All Andy Offer today right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And uh, let's dive a little bit more into sports, of course. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL draft that is happening, of course. Big moves last night as Kyler Murray gets drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Number one overall pick. Looking at some of the draft uh, takers. Dwayne Haskins getting drafted by the the former Buckeye quarterback. Gets drafted by the Washington Football Club. You also have... Looking at some of the other draft thing here. Because I was really not that paying that much attention. Nick Bosa goes number two to the San Francisco 49ers. Quentin Williams from Alabama, the defensive tight end, goes to the New York Jets. Uh, it's interesting to see the you know, and we we're making such a big deal over the draft. I really ha- I, it used to be such a small gathering of people now it's all the way down Beale Street in Nashville Tennessee in the pouring rain or people are watching this draft seeing where their team is going to go and for me it just kind of doesn't make sense you know a lot of these guys are going to be they'll be an impact player they'll be an impact player of course Daniel Jones from Duke, and the and the Lions pick T.J. Hosen from Iowa, a tight end. I like that pickup for them. I like that pickup for them. From that pickup, I think he's a very he's he was very good with Iowa last year. I think the Lions have got a, a solid pick in him. Uh, yeah, the the Giants made a lot of moves in the first round of the playoffs. Not playoffs, but the draft. You know what I'm talking about here. Josh Allen goes from Kentucky. He's an offensive linebacker. Um, Jeffrey Simmons. Just some notable stuff here. Um, looking at some of the other. Like I said, Dwayne Haskins went 15th to, to the Washington Football Club. Christian Watkins went 13th to the Miami Dolphins. Josh Jacobs from Alabama goes 20 from 24th pick. Goes to the Oakland Raiders, aka the Las Vegas Raiders, and yeah, that's pretty much some of the 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 highlight players that I wanted to look at. 
some of the highlight teams that are going forward. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, that uh, round two starts tonight, seven o'clock, on, on um, on NFL Network as well as on the on ABC on ESPN. So, and I like it that ABC's covering it. They must not have that much programming going on. Just saying. Um, yeah, that's uh right there. That's the NFL draft. Um, looking forward to. Um, got a chance to see some of the footage from the spring game from Bowling Green. Leffler's got a good group of kids still with the program. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Um, Leffler's crew is in on the right, on the right pace, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to football season starting up sooner than later, uh, even though we're in the mo- getting ready to turn the month of May right here. So, like I said, too much football is too much football. Can't get enough of it, I guess. As you're listening to All Andy Alford today right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you listen to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now we're headed to the end of the program and well it's time for Andy Rants. It's now time for Andy Rants. And first and foremost I want to thank you so much for for um tuning into the program today and thank you for your continued support. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We'll be doing more po- we're doing more podcasts now with the focus in on the baseball and the NHL playoffs as well as seeing how far the walleye will go as well. So looking forward to looking forward to doing more podcasts with you. We're planning on doing more on Tuesdays back to the regular schedule. So sit tight with us. We're working on the logistics and the and the kinks out for everything, but it's time for Andy Rants. And it's a three part Andy Rants tonight. We're gonna start first with what is happening in Cleveland. First and foremost Last two weeks ago, it was announced that the Quicken Loans Arena was going to be rechanged and renamed. The new arena is now going to be called Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. For me, it's getting kind of ridiculous on two folds about this situation. First of all, you have the Cleveland Monsters that are playing in, quote-unquote, the field house. So you have an ice ice rink in a field house. Doesn't make much sense. Number two, when I went to Cleveland to see the Monsters play, it is just a disaster around the queue. It will still be called for me the queue. It will still be Quick and Loans Arena. It is just a mess around there because of all the reconstruction and refiguring. It's going to look beautiful. I'll, I'll give you that. It'll look beautiful. But right now, it is just crazy around there. I'm not looking forward to going to see an Indians game anytime soon because 
parking is atrocious. The traffic around the arena and the ball diamond is just horrible. So, if you're in that area, you might want to get there early, park in Tower City, and then walk over instead of getting anywhere close to the baseball stadium and the football in the hot in the arena. But it's it's great to see playoff hockey continuing in the city of Cleveland for the next round, and tickets are getting ready to go on sale for that. It's good to see they that Cleveland is coming out and supporting this franchise. So I just don't like the name Quick uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Doesn't make much sense. Keep it the Q. It will always be the Q in my eyes. It will always be the gun, too. Gun Arena will will always be the gun arena. So there's part one. Part two is this, of course. The continuing struggles that is of officiating in the East Coast Hockey League. This past Saturday night, the walleye took on the Fort Wayne Comets, and we can all we could all just move this aside because Cincinnati and Toledo are now playing in the first round of the playoffs. But I had to get off my, get this off my chest. The officiating in the ECHL is absolutely atrocious. This is a developmental league for both, not only the players but the officiating. And for me, I have never been really critical of officiating and how bad officiating is. But this was utterly the worst officiating I have ever seen in my 29 years of being on this planet. Blatant miss trips, blatant miss cross checks, hits after the play, and then the fact that Toledo was dealt with so many penalties for unnecessary plays was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not pointing the finger at the officiating, all pointing at the officiating, but I'm also pointing it at the walleye as well too. They have to be cleaner and better when it came to that. But they, you know, they got the job done and beat Fort Wayne in Game Six. But the fact is this: officiating has got to be better. It has to be better, or we're gonna be. Or we're falling. We'll fall back to the old days of officiating. The old days of just policing when it's there. And the ECHL instituted a two referee system in the round of the playoffs. I have been pushing that. I have been pushing that for regular season in a heartbeat because you one referee cannot see the whole place that happens behind. Now we're having two referees, and we're seeing more penalties being called, and the fans are, are, are moaning and griping about it because there's a lot of chippiness happening afterwards. You have to play it two ways. You have to play it two-way street. And the third and final thing I want to talk about tonight on All Andy Elford is the fact that, you know, I want to apologize to you, the loyal listeners who have been listening to the podcast, for lack of doing this podcast. And I truly am apolo- I truly am sorry 
for what I've done. And um, we have uh, we're back on back on the air with you guys every week now until the end of until we get ready for the summer season, of course. And um, looking forward to doing more podcasts with you guys too, and incorporating more people. We're looking at sometime in June and July for special special guests to come on board to do the show. Um, uh, we're looking at like uh, like old man Ziggy Lucas Sigerson himself, and as well as the baseball hipster, my old broadcast partner uh, Nick the Money Man Devera might be coming in and doing a couple podcast shows for us. And a few other people were looking to get more guests as well on the program. Um, but it all relies on you, the subscriber, to keep this show going and keep it passing along. So um, feel free to pass it to your friends and to your family and to all those that support this show. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you guys so much. That's why I say I love you. I love you so much. And we are truly blessed to have... Uh, a great support staff and a great, great, great production team here for all Andy Elford. And um, I want to, like I said, thank you, Thanker Network staff for everything that is, that they do for us and the editing and the cleaning up and making it sound good for you, the listeners. So I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart with that. And, um, Truly, it's going to be a magical run this summer, and I uh, look forward to many more things to come. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Alford tonight, of course. We'll be back on the air with you next Tuesday. We will preview Game 3 of the – we'll break down Game 2, of course, for the Jackets, as well as Game 2 and preview Game 3 for the Walleye and possibly Game 1 for the Monsters against the – Toronto Marlies looking forward to that with you guys as well and we will also break down the weekend for the Indians and the Tigers so until next time this is Andy Elford saying I'm pulling for you we're all in this together the game of life keep your stick on the ice and for the teams you root for at home and my teams the Tigers go Tigers go Tribe and let's go, Mudhens. By the way, CBJ all the way, baby. CBJ all the way. And let's go, Monsters. And let's go, Fish Clones. So, yeah. Let's go, guys. Playoffs are on the way. And so much more. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great rest of the weekend, everybody, and a great rest of the week. I'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Alford. Love you. Talk to you then.
This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at All Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred.